RGBC, what's up? <laughs> wow, love you guys. I, I can't believe I get the privilege of being up here with you guys again. Um, how can you express love and gratitude to a people that have given so, so much? I don't know. <laughs> so uh, maybe you can read it in my face, but thank you, thank you for the bottom of our hearts, for every prayer lifted up, for every email sent, for every text message sent, for every phone call made, for every Facebook post commented on, everything. Please just receive my full, as the waterfalls, re receive my full gratitude on behalf of Nancy and I and some of the kids. <laughs> I'm sure some of them are aware and, are and uh, also uh, full of gratitude. <laughs> Uh, but it's a pleasure for us to be here. This has been like an incredible break. You know, uh, I, I came down and I first spoke at Hughesville Baptist because they've been there supporting the church as well. Uh, and I, I got out of the Wednesday night service and I was like, what is that sound? What is oh, crickets. Oh, like <laughs> something we totally forgot. I mean, we forgot about what that is. I mean, fresh cut grass, sunny skies, you know, praise God, we're, we're getting back into real spring and getting a bigger taste of it down here in the south. But uh, it, it's been a nice, quiet break. You know, the, the, the folks have been gracious enough to host us in their house, and uh, it's been just quiet and um, just a break from the, from the, the grind, because it is a grind out there. I mean, just the, in the past two weeks, uh, I, I can tell you guys after uh, service more, but just the, the things that show up on the news from just my neighborhood have been uh, troublesome. You know, just violence, uh, deaths, injuries, um, all types of stuff that I can tell you, uh, but not enough time for you. I got my timer, so I, I'll, I'll get you guys out of here quickly. I'm just going to bring and, uh, and the, the word and allow God to just do a work on all of us because this passage has ministered to me in recent months and has really helped me as a, as a pastor in uh, uh, a metropolis that has so many different kinds of people and you never know who's going to walk into your services on a given Sunday morning. Uh, like Pastor Adam said, um, I'm the family, I've been the family's pastor of Bridge Church since I got ordained in September and praise God, it's been a wonderful ride, not easy in the slightest bit, trying to figure out how to be a blessing to families and, and shepherd over families has been a challenge in such a city especially when we don't live in the community where our church is. We're trying to get the Flatbush. That's still an ongoing process. Please pray for that. Uh, but in my, in my role as family's pastor, I'm basically doing three main things. And that is one, shepherding over the children's ministry and making sure that that's uh, alive, thriving, healthy. I recently appointed a director. She's fantastic and uh, doing an, an amazing job. I'm just uh, encouraging her and, and uh, making sure that everything's running well, helping where I can. And then also um, starting our first youth ministry. So, so we, the church has not had a youth ministry in its four-year existence, and we're starting our first one. And I, I get the privilege of hanging out, hanging out with these winsome, highly intelligent, street-smart kids. It, it's, it's been a blast. I, I love being with them. I genuinely like uh, hanging out with them, and, and they're just dropping all kinds of great questions on me about faith and exploring. Uh, we're exploring right now uh, what it means to have authentic faith. And then uh, last but not least, our families ministry, which is uh, something that I, I was burdened by just as one of the biggest families. Uh, well, yeah, we're, we're the biggest family in our church. You know, we, we, when we arrived at Bridge Church, the, the children's church increased by 20% <laughs> just by, by our, our four crazy kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about y'all. Um, 
Yeah, so, you know, and just talking to the families, hearing about loneliness, hearing about, hey, I, don't, I, I, I lack friendship, I lack real brotherhood or some of the ladies real sisterhood. Uh, and then just uh, how, how to live as a family in New York City, that's, that's something that really burdens me in a city that's becoming less and less family friendly. So it's my privilege to, to be able to do something like the families gathering that we do once a month and be able to serve the families in that way. And speaking of fruit, speaking of ministry, I want to show you guys a clip of two very special baptisms that happened a couple of weeks ago. One is our, is our, is our first child uh, baptism. It happened to be the daughter of our lead pastor, James Robeson. He says, what's up, by the way, y'all? And, uh, and thank you so much for your support. And uh, so this is so, as a family's pastor, my, my heart was overflowing because just the, the, the effort that we've been putting in to put more discipleship curriculum into our Sunday school curriculum and, and our services, and uh, I mean, doing things like sitting the kids in the front row whenever there's a baptism and stuff like that, just thinking about tiny little ways that we can encourage the kids to think about bap- baptism. The, o- the other video that you're going to see now is a brother named Duran who literally, like a month ago, was totally agnostic. And through what I can only describe as God being God, came to Christ, you know, saw some clips of us online, came to church, pastor was preaching about the lamb, and this brother literally said, it was like out of a movie, like, can you tell me more about the lamb? <laughs> We're like, yeah. So, so yeah, I, got, I drove, got on the bus, drove to Canarsie Carno- uh, uh, where he lives, Canarsie, Brooklyn, and uh, we just sat there, talked about the gospel, talked about baptism, and you're going to see him b- get baptized a second, so you can roll the clip. By the way, this is what you heard when Stephen was up here. <laughs> that, that phantom noise. That's definitely not it. <laughs> it's, it's the other video that. The one that you queued up when Stephen was talking. Okay, cool. Well, while, while they set that up, um, you know, it, it's, it's funny how sometimes you find out about how people get saved. You know, uh, Darren was asked to one of our city groups, and uh, he showed up, and it was his first time there. And we're going through, like, hey, what's going on in your life? And, you know, we didn't expect much. You know, he's a newcomer to our church. And he's just talking about, like, yeah, you know, so I was in service the other day, and, you know, I gave my life to Jesus. And, um, <laughs> you know, my career is going pretty good. You know, I'm finding some work. <laughs> it's like, what? Whoa. And, and, and me and James are making eye contact, like, okay, well, like, what just happened? This man had a conversion experience this is a big deal, like let's pay attention to them. So it, it's, just, it's just wonderful how, how things kind of just come together. Uh, are you guys going to have it? Or? Okay, okay, cool. Well, anyway, um, I, I'll just keep uh, with the introduction. So yeah, so uh, during one of our recent families gathering meetings, uh, you know, parents just, it, it's funny, getting those parents to talk once we get together is so easy. Everybody's ready to come and share about things that they go through as a parent in such a, a, a crazy, hectic city. And one of the things that we recently talked about was just embracing a portion of the chaos and the messiness that comes with raising children. And so if all your parents are here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't fix every uh, you know, messy bed, toys on the floor. You know, so, so, so yeah, so uh, let's just show the video and then I'll, I'll continue on that thought. So this is our, our two baptisms. That's, that's Josh, our executive pastor in Little Faith.
Yeah, we're, we're loud people. So, so the reason the video cut off is because this brother called me. He was supposed to get baptized during our first service, and we just started our second service, so we ended up, he ended up not getting there in time. Subways, this is, this is our, our New York City life. And uh, he ended up getting baptized in the second service, so this is Deron. <laughs> Poor Josh must have got whipped by those dreads <laughs> like five times. <laughs> so yeah, he's a, he's a great brother. Uh, reminds me a lot of when I first got saved, just full of energy, full of life. Pray for him. I, I'm going to have lunch with him on Tuesday just to kind of follow up and uh, say hi and just finding a way to walk with him consistently. You know, we, we don't live close. It's, uh, it's about like a half hour drive still, for even, even though we're both in Brooklyn. And uh, so, but he needs people to gather around him and walk with him. And is it going to be nice and neat? No. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. You know, going back to the analogy about raising kids, there's a level of uh, discomfort, there's a level of chaos, there's a level of messiness that we have to embrace, right, parents, when we're raising kids. It's just naturally going to come. If we let it get to us too much, we'll go crazy. So we're going we're gonna to have to, like, expect it to come, know that God has still called us to it, and also equipped us to be parents. And at the same time, he pushes us and tells us to keep going, keep going, because much good fruit is going to come when you apply his principles to being a godly parent, right? In the same way, there is a higher, even higher calling than that, that we're called to, where God is asking us to expect messiness, but he'll be with us till the end of the age. Amen? That's a little something called the Great Commission, where he promised us. He said, go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commands. And he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. He gave us a guarantee that we're not out there on our own trying to do it, but he is going to be there with us. And part of them being who they are is also part of our maturity, bearing with them, bearing with the less mature. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but it is an incredible thing for a child of God to be called to that. Is it easy? Definitely not. Rarely is it, right? But thank God, and this is, uh, you know, God's 
Bible, like the, the word of God is a treasure because we stand on the shoulder of giants. We don't have, it's not like nobody's been through any of this before, right? If we stand, on the, these men had to deal even from the very beginning with these issues in the book of Acts chapter 15. And we're going to see a very precious moment where they handle new believers, new converts coming into their midst. And, and, the, and the, the messiness that comes with that, and people saying, whoa, 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 what, what is going on? And them having to really get on their knees and pray and consult with the Lord and really see what, how to handle these young believers coming in uh, into their midst. Let me read starting at Acts chapter 15, verse 1. And Father, before I even pray, before I even get into this uh, word, Lord God, I just want you to just, just be here with us, God. Thank you for this sweet time. Father, I pray once again that this word have its effect on our souls. God, that our hearts be moved by what your apostles, your disciples, and these elders in this passage, Lord God, are reminding us of. Sweet truths, Lord God, that come straight from heaven. And I pray, God, that we, we be reminded that you are the ultimate missionary and that you have dealt with the most mess. You've dealt with our sin. You still deal with our immaturity on a moment-by-moment basis. And yet, Father, you don't throw us away and you don't cast us out. You give us more and more grace every day. So I pray that you use this word now to remind us of that and to be imitators of this first and ultimate missionary this in Christ's name. Amen. So it says this. It says, Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. But Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate. Praise God for Paul and Barnabas. The church arranged for Paul and Barnabas and some others of them to go on up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem concerning this controversy. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, explaining in detail the conversion of the Gentiles. And they created great joy among all the brothers. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders. And they reported all that God had done. But some of the believers were from the party of the Pharisees. Believers from the party of the Pharisees. And they stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So can you imagine for a second what that church membership meeting must have been like? It must have been pretty awkward. Like, there's a group of the guys that's like, wait, wait, you guys, I know you want to be among us. I know you want to join our church. But first, there's a little something, a little snippety snip we got to take care of. You know, so let's, let's just get that over with, and then you can be among us and, and be one of our brothers walking with us. Sounds a little off, doesn't it? You know, I, I just think what this, what this particular scripture brings out is that the church has been dealing with controversy since the beginning, and they've been dealing with how to handle unbelievers and new converts since the beginning, and there's a way, there's always a way that God wants us to have unity and to be able to handle people that are not part of our regular gathering or, reg- or part of our regular lives. It's so apparent to me from the scripture. So the Jews, especially these particular believers, and th- these were Christians, y'all. These believers of the party of the Pharisees. They were believers. They were following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And it says, you know, it, it's just, there was some, all Jews were like, okay, this is the continuation of our faith. The Messiah has come. Our Messiah, our Jewish Messiah has come. Now the new covenant is here. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of God. He has sacrificed himself on the cross for sin. We are free. Praise the Lord. Let's follow our Messiah and let's be part of his strong kingdom. And they, they okay, it, what they did was, this is, hey, I went from being a Jew one day to being a Jew the other day. It's just how I'm following my Messiah now. And they imported all of the, all of the sacrimonies, all, all, of the, the ceremony, all of the sacraments, all of the ceremonies, they imported all of that stuff and brought it along with them. You know, hence, you know, the need for further discipleship. They brought it along with them and said, okay, yeah, this is what I used to do. This is what we did in the temple back in the day in the synagogue. Okay, I'm going to bring all that with me now as part of this faith because this is just a continuation of my faith. It's just that our Messiah has come. These Gentiles now come into the picture. And in, in the previous chapter, Paul and Barnabas are, are preaching, and they literally call these guys Zeus and Hermes. Totally different culture. Totally different background. Totally ill-equipped about the, the Jewish traditions and cultures. Don't know jack about it. They come into the midst with their all their traditions, you know, all their different, different things. So can you imagine how offensive it must have been to some of these Jewish brothers? You know, when they, they're in synagogue and the, the pagans come in like, hey, what's going on? Yo, Levi, where the pork grinds at? Yo, you got some sausage? Oh, y'all yeah, got the good coffee though, right? Like, and they're, you know, they, they just, they, they, they don't act according to the traditional way that a lot of these Jewish brothers were accustomed to. So we have worlds colliding. You know, we went from, you know, uh, Zeus and Hermes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't, I mean, they, they, there's syncretism going on everywhere. Just the merging of different faiths, different traditions, different cultures. They, they're just like, oh yeah. Like, I remember when I was ministering in college one time and, and I told somebody about Christ and they were like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I'll follow him too. And it's like, he pulled out like a card and added him to his other card of Hindu gods. Wild, right? So just picture that for a second. And it's not the fault of any of these pagans. They're just new to the faith. They're just unfamiliar. But there were some Jews that were just more concerned about their ways and their culture that is superseded easing these completely unaware people into their midst. And Every one of us has to do this. There are people in our lives that God will send us that just make us uncomfortable. But that is part of his sanctification process for us. Amen? He sends people our way that just mess us up sometimes, that just don't vibe with us. They're on a different frequency. You know, they're, like, they're, they're, they're Milky Way and we're Snickers. Like, it's like, it's different. It's just, it's a different flavor altogether. But God graces us with that for our good. You know, I, the, the first point that I want to make is don't break the mirrors they help us to see. Don't break the mirrors they help us to see the mess. So unbelievers coming into the context of a, a, a culture-rich people like that, 
it exposed something. And it, and it exposed something that they needed to handle. Because these people of the, of the Pharisee party, they were in the wrong. They, they had a, a wrong perspective about salvation, such an essential thing to the faith. It needed correcting. And how did God do it? How did God bring the correction? He brought in completely like, different people from a different culture who got converted to the same God. They're so helpful to us in that they help us to get out of our own selves and, and get the broader picture and get just back to the basics, back to the fundamental truth. You know, it's crazy. Like Paul went through this, and then later on he writes in the book of Romans chapter 2, he says in verse 28 and 29, he says, For a person is not a Jew who is one outwardly and one uh, and true circumcision is not something visible in the flesh. On the contrary, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart, by the spirit, not the letter. That's man's praise. That, that man's praise is not from men, but from God. So Paul even saw that this was useful for him to write to this church in Rome and continue on the, this discipleship of people that needed to hear this. And I thought that, that that was an amazing thing, that the very thing that Paul and Barnabas were eagerly debating about, they saw that it was important enough to really make a big fuss about this and say, and say no, let, let's not handle these unbelievers like, like this. Let's make sure that we're processing them in a healthy, godly way. So on my block in Flatbush, there is a brother named Sean. And um, Sean is extra Brooklyn. You know, like he's like 1990s Brooklyn. Like, he's not like the new Brooklyn, you know, new people coming in and, you know, sipping their high-end coffee. This is not, that's not Sean. Like, he is like Jamaican, uh, you know, uh, uh, Flatbush is known for its uh, West Indian population, um, Caribbean population. And so he is hood. He, you know, he does cr things that just have made me at times, confession time, right, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. He's, he's different than us. He, may, he might be a little more similar than this. <laughs> uh, cool. But, um, but yes, yeah, Sean is a brother who's in his mid-30s. Mid uh, he's married. And um, he's not college educated. Extremely different from our church. Our church is mostly young. Our average age is 26. Mostly single. About 60% of us are single. And, uh, and definitely college educated. The majority of those young people are college educated or currently going through the process. And so I saw it, I remember the time that he visited the church, he's already been to the church one time. And I remember like him trying to like get in and like have conversations with people and you know, people kind of looking at him like he was crazy. He kind of is a little bit, but I love him. Uh, but you could just see it, like he just was not fitting in. And I was like, okay, I, I see that, I see that. We, we're gonna have to, Make sure that as a church, like, especially as a leadership, that we're talking about these things. How can we get the people, especially as we migrate to Flatbush, and there's going to be, you know, a thousand more Sean's. How are we going to adjust? How are we going to reach that community? You know, how can we bring people like that? I mean, there, there are people that are elderly that come to our church. And, I mean, they, they sit in their seat. I don't see many people coming up to them sometimes. So, I, you know, Nancy and I will go up and talk and chit-chat for a little bit. You know, there, there are people, we just got a, a family from North Carolina, a white family from North Carolina. 
great people. Who, like, I, I know that our church is not going to be likely to, to just all in, embrace them, and, and bring them in because of the differences in culture and background and upbringing. I just know that. So we're constantly working ways to see how we can be better with all of those things, whoever comes through those, those doors. And so some ways that Sean has got me personally out of my comfort zone, stuff like singing to my wife, stuff like buzzing my apartment at 7 in the morning uh, because he wants to say hi when I'm trying to get the kids ready for school, Stuff like uh, bringing his boys to my, my doorstep late night, you know, so that when I come home, they're there and they want to talk because he wants, me, uh, he, he wants me to be introduced to them because he, he calls me his pastor, even though he's only been to our church once. <laughs> so those type of situations just at first were rubbing me the wrong way, but as I've gotten to know Sean, as I've gotten to just, you know, go out and eat with him and, and spend more time with him and go through the ups and downs, you know, go to the, the, the hospital visits with him, riding in an ambulance with him, getting text messages from his wife because he's doing things that uh, are concerning to her. Um, all of the ups and downs, I've really grown to enjoy this brother and see why God has put him in my life. And I really appreciate him and I appreciate the Lord uh, for allowing me to, to know him, seriously. So he's become a, a friend. So what if I told Sean, Sean, if you want to be a part of my life, you have to adjust to my rhythms. Don't ring my doorbell until 9 a.m. Uh, don't be like, you know, don't, don't, you know, um, don't be like the other people, you know, on the block. Uh, definitely stop singing to my wife. <laughs> you know, what if, what if I set all these boundaries and, and like push them on him instead of getting back to the essentials with him and just loving him as a brother and somebody who has told me Omar, I want to get baptized. I want to leave Islam. Like, what if I focused more on those other things that are just part of my personal culture in life than to focus on this brother's, uh, the, the seed being planted in his heart and being watered uh, by different people in his life and, and in hopes that it will grow up into a fruit-producing tree. This is how God exposes oftentimes our sacred cows. Like, there are definitely, like, my, this is the, when, when he shows up at my door, I'm like, this is my time. <laughs> you, can't, you can't come in here. You know, and, and you know, I have to really fight in prayer to, to get out of that. So don't break the mirrors. They help us to see the mess. Somebody like Sean, God has used to really reveal my heart and help me to be a better pastor and a better witness and a better just Christian. So the, the second point I want to make is from this, the next uh, couple verses here, Acts chapter 15 still, and we're in verse 6 to 12 now. It says, Then the apostles and the elders assembled to consider this matter. And there had been much debate. And Peter stood up among them. Brothers, he said, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them by giving the Holy Spirit just as he did also to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing them by their hearts. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples next that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way they are. 
Then the whole assembly fell silent. Say, oh, yeah, quiet now. No more arguing. <laughs> and listen to Barnabas and Paul describing all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Simply speaking, Peter reminded the congregation there and the council of Jerusalem, guys, this is God doing this. Do you really want to find yourselves in opposition to the move of our holy and righteous and mighty God? Do you really want to be there? <laughs> Do you really? And just, uh, just the spirit working through uh, Peter in that instance, just providing incredible wisdom. And then Paul and Barnabas coming in as, they, as his hype men, you know, like, hey, reminding them, like, hey, yeah, like, we were there. God did this. It was incredible. They, 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 they were saved. They, <laughs> I mean, they came to the Lord Jesus. It was a powerful move of God. We can't explain it anywhere, any, in any way else. It was amazing. So they kept proclaiming this. So it was a great reminder that this is a move of God. And I think there's another reminder in there too. He was like, hey, God did that with them in the same way that God did that to us. In the same way. He reminded them, hey, uh, we were once there too, you know. Like we were once in our sloppy mess, you know, just out there, you know, not, not having Christ as our Messiah, not, not having a proper relationship with the Lord, not being reconciled back to him. We were once there too. We walked in darkness ourselves too, in the, in the ways of the flesh, in the ways of sin. But God, by his mercy and his grace, intervened. And there were people that, in, in our lives, personally, think about it. Think about the people in your lives that, that have dealt with you. Think about anybody that discipled you in your life when you were a hot mess. Think about even your parents, if you, if you were raised in the church. Think about your parents, just what they had to deal with you in your immaturity. Think about that for a second. Somebody had to long suffer with you and bear with you. And it didn't have to be a different culture. It could just be a, a wildly different maturity level, right? Like I, I, you have to just bear with. There has to be forbearance there. Well, one time we were sloppy ourselves <laughs> so and then peter goes a little bit deeper he says look at verse 7 he says why are you testing god i just love how he points that out again like i said you know he, he points the situation back to god's doing the influx of people coming into the church of god was god himself doing it hey like don't get in the way of this don't catch yourself opposing the lord and in the latter part of that same verse he says he says this by putting, don't test God, by putting on a yoke in the disciples that neither our ancestors nor us have been able to bear. Reminding them, hey, by the way, nobody is saved through circumcision. Nobody. We are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God sending his own son, penetrating time and space, coming down and dwelling among uh, immature, lost people. Living perfectly among all the mess, glorifying God, glorifying the Father perfectly, and then dying, taking our place. We deserved his punishment. We deserved separation from him. We were cut off from the Father, but because he took our place on that cross, he was our substitute, took the punishment that we deserved, and was 
in, in the physical sense was isolated, was cast out from the Father. Forsaken, he said on the cross. Father, my, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Took that on our behalf. And then got out of that tomb three days later to show that he had authority over sin, authority over the grave, authority over death. It could not hold him. Could not hold him. And so having faith in that, that that was for us as a gift of grace from God, and then surrendering to him as our rightful Lord and King, coming into alignment with his design, with, all, with what he created everything to be, that's called repentance. That is how we say that. That is how we're saved. Not some snippety snips. All right? And all the men said, ouch. <laughs> so what does that mean? He's reminding these people to say, okay, if this is how God brought us, then let's get rid of the non-essentials. Let's not have hurdles in place for people to receive that and to walk in it and to thrive in that. Let's be a people that's, that finds ways, that explores more ways. I mean, I, I'm, so, I'm so privileged to be part of a, a, a weekly eldership meeting, and I haven't been uh, at, at, in that, those meetings as much lately, and I, I can talk, to, talk about that at the service. But it's just so crazy. How, okay, how can, we, like, how can we get 1% better every week? How can we reach people better every week? What is the next step that we can take every week? We should all be doing that. We should all be doing that as individuals, as families, as households, as we reach our neighbors, as we reach our community, as you, as you guys are, are, are a thriving church here, as we receive people here, as, as we receive people at Bridge Church and all across the globe. We should be striving to do that more and more. Just what are the essentials that people need? How can we give them those essential things and be welcoming and allow them to thrive in, uh, in the midst of our body? There was a time in our church where if you became a new member, we asked you to serve. This is, I think, a, a simple example of that. There was a time in our church where if you became a new member, we put you right away into our hospitality team. So we, we made you a greeter, essentially. And we found out slowly that some people were vibing with that. And it was causing some people that were new to our church and maybe even new to our faith to be uncomfortable. You know, they, they just were not enthusiastic about it. And it was a turnoff to them in terms of the church. And so we really got to kind of like regroup and reanalyze and say, okay, what, okay, this, is, this obviously did not work for these people. Uh, some of them stayed on, but now we're trying to find other ways through gift testings and things like that and like personality testing to see where they exactly fit so that we can continue to create this culture of service once you become a member of our church. Little things like that. Adjustments here and there. And like I said, we're going to have to be more and more adjustments like this once we head to Flatbush. Because there's going to be a whole, there's going to be a thousand more Sean's. There's going to be a thousand more different people that are not like our general congregation and our general, general population and our demographic. So the last point that I want to bring out from this verse, from this passage, is in chapter 15 again, verse 13 to 21. It says, after they stopped speaking, James, James is going to come in for the win now. James responded, brothers, listen to me. Simeon has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. 
And the words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, after these things I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again. So the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who will call by my name, declares the Lord, who does these things, who knows from long ago. Therefore, and this is, this hit me like a ton of bricks. Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties among the Gentiles who turn to God. But instead, we should write to them and to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. From, for since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city, and every Sabbath day he has read aloud in the synagogues. In the synagogues. So two main things from this passage. I love it that he says, don't make it hard. Don't make it hard. Make it easier. Make it easier for these pagans, these previous pagans, now our brothers. Don't make it hard for them to be among us, to fellowship with us. Don't make it hard. Find ways to facilitate them integrating into our body. Find ways. Don't make it unnecessarily difficult. Obviously, there are going to be things that we can't budge on, right? Can't budge on the gospel. Can't budge on a triune God. Can't budge on certain things. But what are those things that are not essentials that, that each of us in our own lives and as churches across the world, what are those things that we can budge on a bit to not make it difficult? I love this phrase. I'll read it again. He says, we should not make it difficult for those among the Gentiles who turned to God. There was a move of God. People who were not part of their regular gathering were coming in, and they at first were like, whoa, slow your roll. You got to do these things first. And James is like, hey, let's not make it hard for them. Let's find ways to make it easier, facilitate them coming in into our midst. So for somebody like Sean, is our church there now? No. Our church is not there now. But we know that we have to find a way to make it easier. Next steps are like inviting Sean to small group. Maybe if he gets to know a couple of our people and some of the guys in our small group start hanging out with him so it's not just me or Nancy, maybe through that he can be more integrated into our group. You know, finding ways, hey, you want to go see a movie? Let's go catch a movie, something like that. And it's crazy because the, the inner Pharisee in me was full force, full force, when Sean first brought up the idea of getting baptized. I was like, I don't know, man. Like, you got to walk with the Lord a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got to show me something. Like, you got to come to service. And I didn't say all those things verbally, but in my heart, they were all in there. They were all in there. And then the Lord really convicted me. Because we, we have, like, something that we take people through when we talk about baptism. And I took him through that. And he was affirmative, 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 affirmative. I want to abandon my way. I want to follow Jesus. I believe that he's, he was God in the flesh, died for my sins, rose again. I want to turn my life around. I want to get baptized. He was affirmative. He checked all of those boxes. What Sean needed, as I just 
was really convicted by it, had to pray. What Sean needed more so was somebody to just walk with him. Just somebody to walk with. My, my, if, I, if I were to tell my kids, I don't know you, need, you know, you need to do this on your own. You need to, I don't know about you. Like, that would sound, that would just be off, right? I just keep kicking this water bottle. <laughs> that would sound off to you, right? What Sean needs more than anything else is somebody modeling out what it means to be a man of God. Somebody modeling out what it means to be a husband, a Christian husband. He has a church background that is mixed up. I'll just say that. He has a wife that doesn't like it when he brings up God. Unfortunately, that's the situation that he's in right now. She doesn't like me a whole lot because Sean's always coming over. Am I going to abandon Sean because it's that hard? Because there are so many hurdles because we're so different. Am I going to walk away from him and say, you're on your own. I'm sorry, I can't help you. It's not easy, but God has used it to really change my heart and really make me into a better Christian, into a better brother, and into a better pastor. That is what God is calling us to in this passage. I love it how the disciples made it easy for these new converts. I don't mean to get into any of the details about those things that they gave them instructions on. But know this, the point is, they were just like, hey, just make sure you're not struggling in these things. This is obvious sin. Come away from that. God is calling you out of that. Do this, do this, do this, and you'll be all right. You're going to grow. You're going to be among us. The Lord is going to move. You're one of us. You're family now. I just love the heart. That's the type of heart that leaves the 99 for the one to make sure that that one lost sheep out there is brought back into the fold. That, that should be every last one of us in this room. So Redeeming Grace Baptist Church, how are we going to respond? How are we going to respond? What is God calling us to do here? Where are we inconsistent? You know, when people around here, let's say you're meeting with somebody. You, you, hey, let's, med- let's meet up at Panera Bread for Bible study. They don't make it. You know, when they don't come to Sundays because maybe they have a new job. That happens often in New York. People have jobs on Sundays. Are you going to stop reaching out to them? Are you going to give up ways for them to grow in their faith and be discipled? When they don't contact you for a few weeks, when they go MIA, when their phone breaks, you know, when um, they just don't fit in to your life, are you going to give in? You know, and when, as they're writing this letter, this is just a, a quick bonus, as they're writing that letter to that church to explain to those new believers, verse 28 and 29 in, in chapter 15, I love it that they bring up, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours to put no greater burden on you than these necessary things. No greater burden. We, we don't want to overwhelm you with all of these extra, st- extra things that we want you to be like. These are the necessary things for you to grow and walk with the Lord and enjoy your relationship with God and enjoy the fellowship with the saints 
and the family that they've now inherited in Christ Jesus. Such a pleasure to be a part of that, and you want them to experience that. There's nothing more that I want uh, Darren to experience now than awesome fellowship. Awesome fellowship. So even though he lives in Canarsie, I'm in Flatbush, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. That brother just got baptized. It's more vital than ever for him to be surrounded by people who are walking with the Lord. And it's just a a sweet reminder, y'all, as I conclude, just a sweet reminder that we need to just be on our knees constantly, asking God to perform that heart surgery. We can't, we can't, the heart surgeon can't perform on the patient unless the patient is laying down on the operating table. So let's continually lay down on that operating table uh, before God on our knees with an open Bible. Say, Lord, work on me. Help me, God, to be in the mess, to be in the mess be content, be joyful about it even, to rejoice that God has allowed us to be in the mess with people that need us to be solid in front of them and to be model uh, Christians and to be people that forbear with their weaknesses and their immaturity. Let me pray us out. Uh, Father, I just uh, thank you for this time, Lord. God, again, just blows my mind how much of our mess you deal with on a daily basis basis, sometimes moment by moment. It's not pretty, but Father, you still call us your children. Father, you still give us the essentials that we need. Lord, you removed the biggest hindrance of all, which was the dividing wall of hostility between us and you. You removed every hindrance For us to know you, Lord God, you are the ultimate shepherd that goes after the one, leaves the 99, comes after the one with ferocity, God. Thank you, Lord God, for your relentless pursuit of us. And I pray, Lord God, that you just swallow that up within our hearts, Lord God. Help us to be like you, God. Lord, you know that we have faith. We have belief. Help our unbelief, Lord. Help us to grow. And Lord, uh, I look forward to all the fruit that's going to come at Bridge Church, at Redeeming Grace Baptist Church, as a result, Lord God, of what you've spoken to us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all.